that this man uh, might have been set at liberty had he not have appealed to Caesar. And so he uh, determines that they should sail to Italy in verse 1 of 27. They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Now, they entered into the ship, and in verse 4, it said that they sailed by Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And he said that when they sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, uh, a city of Lycia. And there, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us on that one. And he said, we sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against us. And uh, he said the wind, it was contrary to us. It was like we were sailing against the wind. It was a journey that didn't seem like it was ever going to end. And verse 13 said the, the wind finally picks up, and it was a south wind. And uh, he said the wind, it blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. Loosing fence, they sailed close by Crete. Verse 14, but not long after, not long after the soft south wind blew, there came a wind called Eurachlidon. This was a storm wind. This one came out of uh, probably the southeast, more than likely a swirling wind, tempestuous. And the ship was caught could not bear up with the wind, so we let her drive. That's something in Bible times that you didn't ever want to be on a ship that the captain said, let her drive, boys, because that meant we just lost control. We just lost control. And so I am hurrying to keep you from... Uh, having to read all of this, but he said in verse 20, this is powerful. He said, we had seen neither sun nor stars in many days. No small tempest lay on us and all hope that we should be saved. Somebody tell me what that says. It was a dark season. It was a dark season. No sun, no stars. And our hope was taken away. Verse 21, but after long abstinence or a fast, Paul began to fast. He had not eaten in several days. He stood forth in the midst of them and he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loose from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. What's wrong with this guy? We're in a dark season. He said, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. Save the ship. How do you know that? For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And the angel said to me, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. I am going to complete this journey, you will finish 
the journey. You are going to stand before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. He said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. He said, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. I woke up this morning, uh, got home late last night. I woke up this morning early, about six o'clock. I sat up in the bed. I wasn't really in a dream, but I was in that state of in between. And the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, your calling is greater than the storm. Your calling is greater than the storm. I feel like somebody here today needs to understand that the evidence of no sun, no stars, tempestuous winds, that is not your destiny. But there is a word from God in this season that God is about to lift us up. Amen. I feel like. There is less hope in this world for some people than they have felt in their lifetime. That is obvious by up uh, ratings in suicides and people killing themselves and families splitting up and all kinds of crazy things happening. And people are looking for hope. So let me give you hope today and let me just tell you that God is about to wrap this thing up. Amen. God's going to do it. Look at your neighbor and tell him this morning, your calling is greater than your storm. You may be seated in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I have preached contrary to popular opinion through the years that oftentimes the will of God is one of the scariest places in the world to be. People say, no, it's impossible, Pastor, for it to be the will of God if it's a scary place because there will always be perfect peace in the will of God. Well, I would agree with that. But that does not mean that because I have perfect peace, that it's not dangerous. Ah. Well, how can you have perfect peace and be in a storm? Because I know who's in control. It is so often in our lives that the evidence is what predicates our feelings and the things that we say and the things that we believe. And we look around us at the evidence, and the evidence says this is not good. And so we don't know what else to do. But I'm going to tell you what Paul did. Now, there's probably some kind of debate out there as to why abstinence. Some say, well, he probably just got sick, and so he couldn't eat. Uh, that would have not been by choice. And the word abstinence means that he chose not to eat. So in a, in a tempestuous time, what in the world are we to do? Well, Paul started praying and fasting. What in the world are we going to do, Pastor? What are we going to do with all this stuff that's going on in the world right now? Oh, my God, the world's ending. The covers are coming down. It's, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? God, God what's happening? And, and the Holy Ghost is saying, to us, oh, I'm so out of control. Please do something. Yeah. We've watched way too many Scooby-Doo flicks. Things start getting bad, and we say, oh, rut row. What are we going to do? And we got this picture of God sitting up on the throne of heaven saying, you know, I, th this beats all I've ever seen. 
I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. And like God's just frazzled and he's all kinds of messed up. And like the storm that we're in, it's the worst storm that there's ever been. Let me just go ahead and settle your heart right now and just tell you. God is not out of control. Neither is what we're looking at in this world. God is in full. The spirit of Antichrist does not want you to believe what I'm telling you, but I'm going to tell it to you and I'm going to tell it to everybody that's watching and to everybody that sees this on the internet. God is still in control. You can believe what you want to believe, but I'm telling you right now that as long as there's a praying church, the spirit of the Antichrist has no possible way to overtake what God is doing. The power of a praying church is what's driving back that spirit. However, that puts the pressure on us. Because it is the power of a praying church that drives back the spirit of Antichrist. You just think you've seen something now. You wait till the presence of the church is missing. You better hope to God you're not around to see that kind of news. I don't want to be around when the Lord lifts a praying church out of the earth. And there's nothing to restrain the power of Antichrist. And he has all the power to do whatever he wants to do. But even that is limited for just a little while. I know they're rising up out of Pergamos. There will be power that's given from that great dragon. But you hear what I'm telling you. That's a limited season. Because you and I are going to rule and reign with him in the earth. I feel like telling the devil, your day is coming, big boy. Your day is coming. I've already read the story. I already know how it's going to end. Let me just remind you today, devil, that there is coming a great angel who's going to pick up a great chain and you will be bound and cast into the bottomless pit. Praise the living God. His day is coming. But until then, there's some storms that are going to have to be ridden out. The Lord gave me a word at the very beginning of this season that we're in, back in March. And he spoke very clearly to me. It was the first, the first thing and the last thing that I heard from the Lord for several weeks. But the, the thing that the Lord spoke to me was that if you've ever wondered what the separation of wheat and tare looks like, this will be it. He said this will be a season of exposing. This will be a season of revealing. Uh, I want to tell you something that's crazy and you may not even like what I'm saying. But if the will of God just goes along and he does everything that we ask him to do. Some say that uh, the political chaos in our nation could have been just fixed if on November 3rd we just went forward and whatever. You just, oh, well, look, see, the plan of God could have been fulfilled. But I want to tell you that what God has used this season for. Is to expose the kingdoms of men. To let us see the fallacy of systems of men that we thought could not fail us. Now, wouldn't it have been easier if the Lord would have just let things go and just let it? Well, sure it would. But the seasons of exposing are always uncomfortable for people. 
Our nation needs to know that there are two big players that are playing against America right now. It is Russia and it is China. How can you say that, Pastor? Because Revelation says it. This is all a part of the kingdom of God being established in the earth. Do not be surprised whatsoever. And do not think for one moment that it's a coincidence at all that the software system was called Dominion. Because the enemy thinks he's got Dominion. But dominion of men that's set up is always fallible. But the Lord said to his children that he created the very first words in the ears of his children in the garden of Gethsemane is you're going to be fruitful, you're going to be blessed, and you're going to walk in dominion. I want to tell you today, Democrats and Republicans, dominion of men's systems will always fail. But there is a dominion and authority that comes from another kingdom. Come on, you can sit on me if you want to. But I've come to tell you it's God that is exposing right now the corruptions of the kingdoms of men. Ah! Well, preacher, you need to be careful because God's not into politics. He's not into politics, but he is into government. Politics, you know what politics are? And I hope every politician hears it. Politics are the corrupted version of government. If that makes you mad, you're in the wrong church and in the wrong kingdom. I just think that all state. You ought to tell Jesus that should have stayed separate. It was politics that hung him on a cross. My lying bishop, my lying preachers, and my lying, you listen to what I'm telling you today. That God is raising, we're seeing it happen right now. It's happening. We're seeing the big bear rise up, Russia. Somebody shout Gog and Magog. If you don't know what that is, get in your Bible and read it. There's going to be a reason in the end time that there's going to be blood to the knees in the valley of Megiddo. I don't have time to preach all of this today, but I've come to tell you right now that what men are trying to do in the earth today, and hear me very plainly, if you don't like it, buy me a cheeseburger. What men are trying to do right now is to erase the will of God in the earth. They're trying to expedite the process of the spirit of Antichrist running rampant. But what I've come to tell you right now is that the church has survived greater storms in the storm that we're in right now. If we've survived the storms before, you've got to understand me when I tell you that your calling is greater than the storm. I believe that the gates of hell have tried to prevail against the church, but the the church is triumphant. On the other side of the flood in Genesis 6, we saw that Lucifer tried to corrupt the DNA of humanity 
And the reason that he did is that if he could corrupt the human gene pool, then he would interrupt the flow of the messianic bloodline. And the Lord started all over with an ark and a flood because he was not going to allow the DNA of mankind to be corrupted. Now, I'm not going deep into this. I'm not going to jump out there in the deep end of the pool, but you just trust me when I tell you that the enemy has always tried to stop. Why, why would he try to do that, Pastor? Why would he try to stop that? Because if he can corrupt the DNA and the bloodline of the Messiah, there is no redemption. He's trying to keep you out of what he got kicked out of. And that's exactly what he's trying to do again right now because he could not stop redemption. So now he wants to stop people that are humans from being redeemable. China right now. Now, it's surprising to me that this made mainstream news. But I read just this week again, more than one source. We established the word in the mouths of two or three witnesses. That right now, the, the, the Chinese army are trying to build a superhuman army. Look it up for yourself. Just YouTube it. It's out there. They have figured out a way to take the DNA of men and they're trying to make them superhuman men. So that they're harder to catch, they're harder to kill, they're harder to get to surrender. And they are trying to build this, this army of men uh, of more than uh, 2 million people, I guess, right now. That they have, they're, they're not building them in, in uh, uh, exercises of military. They are building them, literally building them in laboratories. This is why they have tried cloning. This is why they have tried all kinds of things. Now, listen, folks. Some folks think we, we just have a soft place for children, so that's why we preach against abortion. I, I think you're missing it. Every life has a right to live. Every heart has a right to be. Understand that. But there's more to this than that because they are taking the DNA of these aborted babies and they're practicing things with them and, and, and they're, they're putting them in medicines and putting them in, in, in things that are being injected into people's body. I don't know if you've studied any of this that's going on right now. But hear me when I tell you that the way that they are going to start doing these kinds of things is in laboratories to affect, to some way, somehow, affect the DNA of humanity. Why would they do that? Because they claim in science that if you change the DNA of a human being by 1%, they cease to be human. Now, I'm going to break it down Gerber style for you because I just heard Sister Shelley say, what? <laughs> Daniel saw a vision. And the last empire of that dream, as interpreted, is that it would be an empire of clay and iron, two things that don't mix, but it's a hybrid empire nonetheless. Don't nobody want to preach on Sunday morning. He said, I saw some things that weren't quite right. Let me tell you that the things we're looking at with robots and all that, that, that Hollywood has been projecting for a long time, it's not an accident. You hear me? It's satanic, but Hollywood is one of the most prophetic powers in all the world. That's why people that 
are filled with the Holy Ghost ought to know better than to tie themselves down with all that junk. But you hear this preacher when I tell you that there is a push. You may think I'm far out there in left field. But I'm telling you right now, there is a push to replace humanity because humanity is the only thing that is redeemable. And the enemy will do everything that he can to stop the plan of redemption. But today there is a power and there is a name that the enemy can't do anything about. And that's why when we pray, we declare emphatically, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Why? Because his blood is more powerful and his name is greater. I'm not afraid to declare it today that the blood of Jesus is against the powers of darkness. So what God is trying to do is to wake up his church to realize, listen to me very closely. This is a game to some people. It is not a game to God. I am sick and tired of jellyback, weak need preachers that are afraid to declare the whole counsel of God. I'm going to preach it to you the way the Lord preached it. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. However, we don't have the luxury of declaring that to God. For when the strong angel Michael was standing up against Jericho and Joshua walked up to that angel and asked him the question, he said, are you for us or against us? He said, no. He said, I am the captain of the Lord's host. Why did he do that? Why did heaven operate like that? Why did the angel do that? Because he's into government. He's not into politics. Isaiah 9 and 6 tells us that the government. Woo! The government shall be on his shoulders. And it's not just the United States government. It's the government of the kingdom. But Jesus said when you pray, pray let your kingdom. Let your government be established on the earth. In a season of prayer and fasting because Paul felt like he was in chaos and out of control in the midst of a fast. The Bible said that Paul spoke up and he said, do not fear for an angel of the Lord. Listen to what I'm telling you. A representative of God's government established himself in the middle of chaos. You think the presence of the storm is the absence of God. Nay, I say to you today, 
The storm does not affect the presence of God. I say to you right now that God will reveal himself in chaos to those who are willing to align them. Why would Paul pray and fast? If it's going to be his last meal, why didn't he just eat? Because he said, I'd rather die hungry for God than I would to be full. Listen to what I'm telling you. They had rations on that boat that could have fed those men in the middle of a storm. But that man of God refused to defile himself with the meat of this world. He said, I'll starve myself until I get myself in alignment with the will of God. I'll do whatever I've got to do until the Lord reaches down and establishes his government in the middle of this storm. I feel like telling you right now that the government will on his shoulders from the foundation of the world and the government is still so what is it that gets the attention of God and I don't want to sound like a broken record right here but I'm, I'm going to try to establish some things in you today I know some folks think that Sundays are just it was just another day. I'm telling you right now, I feel like there is an eternal pressure and weight every service because I don't know who's going to be here. Right. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean this to sound offensive, but I know there's a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of different ministries that can just take some kind of a premeditated idea and go preach the same thing everywhere they go. I, I just I can't do that. Holy Ghost has never freed me to do that because I feel such an eternal weight with every single service. I'm going to tell you what the Lord has told me today. I feel in the Holy Ghost that through what I'm getting ready to tell you, there's going to be a spirit of revelation that's going to come. And God is expediting processes in the earth right now. And God is opening blinded eyes that could not see. To see beyond the veil what's been happening in the invisible world what do you mean pastor i'm saying to you that whatever we see happening in the physical world if you've been a disciple of this church for any amount of time you know i've always preached this that what we see in the physical there is a direct parallel in the spiritual so as there was a storm going that night uh, over the boat and around the ship of paul there was also a storm in the heavenlies how do you know because the angel was near Whenever there is warfare going on, it always happens in the first dimension, in the second dimension rather. There are three levels of heaven, and I don't have time to go into this. I preach it a lot. The first dimension of heaven is where we live in the earth. The second dimension is the heavens where there's warfare. The third dimension of heaven is where he is seated on the throne. Daniel, go look at Daniel 10 through 12. You'll see established exactly what I'm telling you. That in the second dimension is where Michael came to defend Gabriel, the messenger, trying to get to Daniel after 21 days of I see now in chaos when people pray and fast heaven comes to earth and in that second dimension is where warfare always happens but those angels leave the third dimension with orders from the throne of God. And they pass through that second dimension where warfare happens. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in. 
high places. It's higher than us. It's the second dimension. And that's where warfare transpires in the heavenlies. But the angels of the Lord are coming to earth with a message from the third dimension. And that third dimension is where he is seated on his throne of, oh God, his throne of government. And the angels of the Lord come as messengers to establish in the first heaven the order of the government of the throne of God. What was it that Jacob saw in the middle of the night in chaos and confusion running from his brother when he laid his head down on a stone? What was it he saw? He saw a ladder with angels ascending and descending. That ladder is literally translated a stairway. It's a stairway. That angels were going from the first dimension to the third dimension. To the first dimension. To the third dimension. It was an open heaven. That's what we're talking about when we talk about an open heaven. It was an open heaven where the angels of the Lord had driven back the forces of darkness in the second dimension. And said, I'm about to open up the windows of heaven. That's exactly what the Lord is talking about. When he opens up the windows of heaven, he drives back whatever has been stopping his will in that second dimension. So that his kingdom is established in the first dimension. Have I lost you this morning? Everybody's following me closely right now. You know where I'm at. In the first dimension is where questions happen. In the third dimension is where answers happen. In the second dimension is where confusion happens. To break it down for you like this, God is not the author of confusion because he sits high. And he looks low. But we are in a first dimension. And we can't seem to find the strength often to look high because of the pressure that's coming from the second dimension. That's why David said, I look unto the hills. I lift my eyes. I lift my eyes because my answers don't come from questions. My answers come from the hills. And so, what's happening right now in the earth is, an, is a sign to us that there is a wrestling in the spirit. If you get in the scripture, you're going to find out, and I'm trying not to lose you on Sunday morning, but whenever the governments of the earth are wrestling and contending, it's because the government of heaven is wrestling and contending above the earth. Mm. I'm giving y'all tips on how to pray today, and I'm afraid some of you are just letting it go in one ear and out the other. So prayer and fasting caused heaven to come down and establish government in a ship that was about to be destroyed. Oh, dear God. And the word was, I'm going to destroy the vessel, but not the souls that are on board. Can I tell you that everything we've worked for, every bit of money that we've saved, every big house that we've wanted to buy, every nice car that we've wanted to buy, it's all going to pass away. This old vessel's going to pass away, but there is a soul that's living inside of me that... Oh, 
Job said in my flesh I, woo, I shall see him. Uh, I'm trying to hurry. And so Jesus says, he said, I want you to figure out a way to get the first dimension in agreement with the third dimension because that's what releases my angels to drive back the forces of darkness. Well, how long does that take? Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll talk about that. It took Daniel 21 days. It took quite a season for Paul because there was a season of abstinence after a long while. So we'll get to that. What time is it? Good. We're doing good. So what do we do then, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. We quit praying hokey prayers. Forgive me if I sound short and ugly. I don't mean it ugly at all, but we quit asking God for stupid things. And we start finding out what God is saying about the matter. We don't start asking what organizational constitutions say about the matter. We ask God, what have you said? We must hear what God is saying. We must ponder what God is saying. The Bible said Mary pondered these words. We must hear what God is saying. We must ponder what God is saying. We must believe what God is saying. And we must speak. What God is saying. Let me break it down for you one more time. we got to hear what God is saying. We've got to ponder what God is saying. we got to get convinced and believe what God is saying. And then we've got to decree what God is saying. God have mercy. I'm drunk up to my thighs this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost and a spirit of revelation moving in this room right now. But pastor, I feel like we are so outnumbered. I feel like that the wickedness of this world is so outnumbered. All right, prophet, go on to the cave and suck your thumb. But there's an answer that's coming to you. That there are thousands that have have never bowed their knee. I want to tell somebody in the house this morning that there are more in the remnant than the enemy wants you to believe that there are. There are more that still believe in the power of God than there are that believe God is faithful. What I'm saying to you is the loudest voice is in the earth right now and the most visible puke in the earth right now is not because they're the majority. It's because they've got the microphone and they've got the camera. But what they cannot see is behind that invisible veil. There is an angel army that's been established for the church of the living God. Tell your neighbor right now, there's a remnant that's praying. You don't have to believe this, but I'm telling you, it's as sound a theology as you will ever hear in your life. The church has never been resurrected. We were not resurrected at Azusa Street. There has always been a remnant. 
From the day of Pentecost until right now, there have always been one God, Jesus' name, apostolic people who have been bought with his blood, filled the Holy Ghost. I literally feel weak in my legs right now. I feel like, I just feel, I feel intoxicated in the Holy Ghost. Something is about to happen. Pastor, have you not heard the words? Have you not heard, Pastor, that all hope is gone? Have you not heard, Pastor, that justice cannot prevail any longer in the earth? That men are too evil. If that's what you want to believe and ponder in your heart, then believe it. But I choose to speak today what I'm hearing in the Holy Ghost. God is still in control. There is no power of darkness that has ever stopped to triumph the church. But the church has been predestined to triumph over. Somebody shout over the enemy. I'm afraid I'm never going to get there this morning. If not, I'll try to finish later. But I, I'm, there's such a flow of the Holy Ghost. I, I feel like I'm just standing in a river right now. The Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, this is an idea of where his kingdom is established. Hallowed be thy name. And the very first words out of his mouth after reverencing and honoring the government of God was let your government come. Jesus, thy kingdom, your government come and your will be done. In earth, as it's established. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, give us this day, our daily bread. I shared this briefly with Bishop. I didn't have time to expound, but I've I've got to hurry. But in, in the Greek language... Of the Lord's Prayer, there's, there was never a good word. As a matter of fact, the word daily is not even in the Greek language. The, the, the closest way that we can safely translate the fidelity of this verse, give us this day our daily bread, would be to say, give us today our tomorrowly bread. Give us today the bread that is for tomorrow. What, what's he asking? You can't think of this physically. He's not asking for crumbs. He is asking for the ability to step out of one dimension into another. Because the kingdom dispensation, where we rule and reign with him, give us today what we should not have access to Until tomorrow. 
Did he exercise this? Oh, yes. This woman came to him and said, My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So he starts talking to her and said, Well, I didn't come to bring you bread. Notice what he's talking about. He's talking about a supernatural dispensation. The problem is she's a Gentile. And this story's happening in Luke. And so he reaches out of Luke to the bread of tomorrow in Acts 10. And brings into this dispensation today before the church. Tomorrowly bread. And establishes it in the present. He said, when you're praying into that kingdom, you have He said, you have access to tomorrowly things that can only come from another world that you haven't gone to yet. But you can bring that into this world today. I've come to tell you that the church is as powerful as it's ever been. I believe you, Pastor. I just feel like we're outnumbered. Write it down. It's in your book. It's in your Bible. He has always had a remnant, and God has never had to use a majority to get the job done. As a matter of fact, he said, I'll establish my word in the mouths of two or three. I don't need a majority. I just I just need a I just need a remnant. I need a couple of people that'll bind together. He said, let every word be established. In other words, let it be written in stone. If you can establish it. He took Gideon's army and he started stripping soldiers away. That doesn't even seem like it makes sense. Why, when we're facing the biggest battle of our lives, would you strip away soldiers? Because I don't need a majority. I just need enough to, to establish. He said, I need a few that will decree what I'm saying in heaven, in earth. I just need, I just need a few. You take the promise of the Lord and you take the word of the Lord and you confess it with your mouth. Pastor, I don't know. This sounds, this, this, this sounds just, just a little crazy. I'm not, I'm not real sure about how you're going about this. Well, good, because I'm going to establish the word with you right here in just a moment. You can take the promise of God and the word of God and declare it. And with that kind of power, you've been given keys to lock and unlock doors. Prove it. Okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. He says, I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. And he said, I will give unto thee. Keys. Keys of the, the what? The government? Kingdom? Listen, I believe in the whole key theory with Peter, the, the, the salvific language, the keys were death, burial, resurrection. I, 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 
I'm going to walk that road with you. I believe that's the keys. But this is not exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. He said, I send you, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. And then he points to what he's saying. He said that whatsoever. The keys are the whatsoever. Now, you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name to have the keys. So that it like goes without saying. But understand what I'm saying to you. He said, I'm giving you keys to lock and unlock doors. Yeah. We think about binding and loosing. We, we think about setting somebody free. Listen, binding and loosing. And the etymology of this word is not, this is not about setting something free. These are judicial words that were established in a courtroom. That something is legally binding. In other words, it's contractual. God have mercy. It is a legally binding contract. Unless you've ever had one of those set against you, you don't understand the power of binding. He said, but I'm giving you keys in the government of heaven. To either dissolve what is legally bound or to legally bind. I'm giving you as my representative in the earth. I am giving you the power to do more than just be saved. We have limited the keys of the kingdom to salvific language. Oh, I got the keys. I've been born again. Now what are you going to do in the kingdom? Why? Why would he say that? Because he is speaking directly to Bishop, his government in the earth, the ecclesia. Look, look it up for yourself in the Strong's. I will build my ecclesia, my church will be my government, my government in the earth. How do we release the keys? How do we legally, by the great judge, bind and loose contract? For one thing, we realize that we don't fight in the natural. We fight in the spiritual. And what I'm getting ready to tell you right now is that your words... Are spiritual. In Proverbs the 18th chapter and the 20th verse, the scripture tells us very plainly that a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life. I've heard this scripture quoted a lot to say the power of life and death are in the tongue. That's not scripture. Death and life are actually in the power of the tongue. It does not say that the power of death and life, the power is not in death and life. Death and life are in the What you say. It will either bind or it will loose. It will either bring life or it will bring death. He said to us, it's in the power of your tongue. And they that love it 
shall eat of the fruit thereof. He is connecting harvest with the tongue. What you say is what you eat. Oh, God. And what you eat is what you are. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. The word confess. I'm hurrying. I'm going to get you traditionals out of here in just a few minutes. I know your stomach's growling. It's hard to believe how quick this goes. The word confess, to speak with the mouth. The word is homologio. And the word, it literally means to say the same thing of another. We limit so much to salvific language, Bishop. Ooh, confess the Lord with your mouth. Believe in your heart. You can't say, I believe in the Lord and say that you just confessed. When you confess the Lord, that means you just said what he says. You have just bound yourself to speak God's language. When you confess with your mouth, what did I tell you? You got to hear it. You got to ponder it. You got to believe it. And you got to say it. When you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, salvation has come. The word confess means that I will declare openly what God has said about me privately. Simply put, we find out what God is saying and we say it. For where the word of a king is, there is power. I, I agree with God for all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. In him are yea, and in him, amen. Amen. What do you mean? It means I agree with God. I'm fixing to hurt some devils right here. And what God's been trying to loosen here is about to release. Words are powerful. God created with words. And we create with words. Isaiah 55 and 11. The Lord said the words that I have spoken. He said they shall not return unto me void. But they will accomplish. They will accomplish what I please. Oh, that word accomplish is the same word in Hebrew, Bishop Asal, uh, which is the same word as create. In Genesis 1, when God created, he said right here, you can say it like this. He said that the word I speak shall not come back void, but it will create what I say. Whatever I say is what will be created. Let me tell you right now, there's no devil with the power to reverse what God has said. There's no power of darkness that can reverse what God has said. And God said we're having revival. And God said we're having harvest. God said we're having breakthrough. God.
can stand. You can stand. We got to quit asking God for things and start decreeing. I decree what God has said. I decree, I, I decree in the name of Jesus. And the enemy comes and says, you don't have a right. And I look back at the enemy and say, you can't steal my decree. Because that's not what I've created. It is legally binding. That if God said it in heaven, it's bound to me in the earth. And if God has loosed that thing in heaven, loose what? Loose the contract that the enemy put on you. That your daddy was an alcoholic, so you're going to be one. That was a legally binding contract. But the Lord said, you've got the key to unlock that contract. Hey, you can unlock that contract off of you. you got a right to create and to speak. So for those of you, I've got a prophetic word in my heart today. For those of you that are weary of speaking the promises of God and have yet to see them. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, somebody shout timing. In God's timing. I said this Wednesday night, timing, 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 timing. If Esther walks into the king's presence before the gallows are finished, then God doesn't finish the job. God's not able to do it. Esther, the timing's got to be right. You just tell old Mordecai, I just relax a little bit. Just hang out. Hang on, Uncle God's about to do this thing. And when the enemy finishes his part and the gallows are finished, due season has come. And the door opens and the scepter is received. Come on in here, girl. Come on in here, daughter of God. Come on in here and tell me what you're doing. Because God has got to let the enemy finish his plan so that he can destroy it. How does it happen? It happens by Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing. Bishop, by the word. Go to that next verse for me real quick. I say, have they not heard? Yes, barely. Their sound went into, and their world, their words. He said, when you say it, it goes to the end of the world. Because you see the beginning from the end. But I see the end from the beginning. And when you say what I've been saying, it goes to the end of that thing and says, I cancel you now. I've come to tell somebody today that's received the report of the enemy as a legally binding contract in your life. You got some keys on you, baby. And today you've got a right. You got a right to unleash the blessings of God in your life and tell the devil your plans will not succeed for me. I will be healed in Jesus' name. I will be delivered in Jesus' name. I will be free. Look, I know how this goes. I've been here a long time. And the music's going to play and sing for a second. We're going to clap, raise our hands and go out. I didn't come today for us to clap our hands and go out. I came for somebody to get a revelation that everything the devil's been saying about you is a lie. 
everything the devil's been telling you it's a lie everything the devil's been trying to convince you it's a lie I say to you in the name of Jesus you got a right to make a decree today and I decree what the saith the Lord